like you give me love, oh. Now you the catch my shot. For your sake, I go go touch you. Hey. We go drive around if I'm my Porsche. Baby, Pana. They say he like you all. I get you all. Baby, Pana. Anywhere that you go, I go follow you the go. Baby, Pana. They say he like cassava. I get to be cassava. Baby, Pana. My love for you. You never die, you never die. Iba iba, oh baby iba iba. Baby you too sweet, iba java. Oh baby dance to the lagwaja. Make a take to the balada. Iba iba, oh baby iba iba. Baby you too sweet, iba java. Oh baby dance to the lagwaja. Make a take to the balada. Say love is a beautiful thing. Can you recall my temper? Love is a wonderful tender feeling. Uh-huh. Uh, that's America for you. Kind of politics there. 
I know, right? I know, right? There's one thing that I need. I told myself I'll say this to to the to the world, to the, to our audience. There is one thing that COVID-19 has proved, has brought out, or has made all of us realize. Whatever activity we do has got a social component to it, whether we go to school, whether we go to work, whether we go to the grocery store, whatever we do. So today we decided to bring Dr. Catherine Muyera, uh, lead consultant psychiatrist. She's living up there in the UK to discuss with us how do we cope with this situation. Everybody, uh, I was trying to find my, the right words, Dr. Mievandi. It looks like some some people are about to lose their minds. Anyway, good afternoon and welcome. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. We are we are honored again to have you back on the show, and uh, this is going to be interactive. Everybody calling in, okay? I don't want this to be uh, like our regular usual interview. We want to get uh, as as much as we can learn from Dr. Mieva this afternoon, and see uh, how, how she can she can help us walk through this. Everybody listening. We've already posted on social media that we are live now. Okay, Dr. Mueva, like I've said, all human activities are social component to eat, okay? Uh, we, we can see that with the COVID-19 mandatory lockdown, stay home, shut down, everything, social distancing. We have learned a lot of new terminology, social distancing, lockdown, and all that. Uh, what impact is this having on humanity psychologically? I think, like you said, that everything that we do involves, um, you know, people socializing, basically. We are social mm -hmm. beings. That's how we were created, and uh, we need each other. We need each other to survive. We need each other to, to thrive. And uh, the social distancing and the, you know, self-isolation that's been introduced, you know, to protect us from uh, the spreading of the virus but, and eventually to protect us, uh, people from dying has created mm. this physical separation uh, of people. And one of the impacts that that's having for, 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 for some is when they feel that feeling of distress due to being alone. Um, and it's not necessarily that when somebody is on their own, they feel lonely. People can still feel lonely when there are people around them. But the social mm -hmm. distancing and social isolation has made things worse, a whole lot worse. It's extremely important that we do this uh, but the consequences for, for, for some are harder than others. With the loneliness and uh, reducing that interaction, reducing the usual stimulation that we have, um, you know, we, we're not allowed to hug or handshake and that touch is missing. Yeah, that's an important connection for us. Um, and the studies show that when we connect and touch, you know, like when a mother gives birth to a baby, they encourage that bonding to happen straight away because of the hormone uh, oxycon, oxycon, uh, sorry, oxytocin which is produced. And that hormone helps um, you know, in, in us in various ways. And there's evidence that shows that when the oxytocin um, hormone levels are low, that can lead to stress uh, uh, and anxiety. So unfortunately, mm. the social distancing and isolation has led to increased levels of getting stressed and increasing anxiety. 
because of the, the pandemic and everything else that's going with that? <laughs> you know, I want the, 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 the aspect, the next question of how it affects different social groups, I'll, I'll, I'll ask it in this way. Uh, I was asking a co-worker, a colleague, a Roger, uh, uh, a parent, I think he's got uh, a 9-year-old, 11, 10, 11-year-old. So I was trying to make this point to Dr. Miela, and I said, um, this, this is a very serious situation. And I said to him, I can only imagine what this is doing to the kids. And he turned, looked at me, and gave me that look, and he said, what about me? <laughs> yes. he turned, yeah. So could you could you could you talk to that point? He's like, what about me? I I was so shocked at that. Yeah. Actually, when the, everything started happening, um, uh, everyone giving giving advice, do this, do that, protect yourself. Uh -huh. The first group of people that came to my mind were the young people and and the young yes. children. You know, their, their events have been cancelled, particularly those mm -hmm. who are living in school. Everyone looks forward to that prom event where you say goodbye and have uh, your friends right on your shirt and, and stuff like that. But they, they just have to suddenly talk through. And that significantly had an impact on, on them. And um, I did like a mini survey with some of the young people in, in, in the UK that we interact with. And just mm. how they were feeling and some of the things they were saying, uh, you know, the uncertainty of what's going to happen, what's going to happen to in their future, you know. You know, real issues, young people were thinking about these things. The ones who were, like, at universities, maybe have part-time jobs as well, but that sort of income has gone. You know, how are they going to graduate? Are they going to graduate? What would be their employability be like? You know, exams cancelled. So most of them mm -hmm. have been affected by the loneliness as well that I refer to. But also boredom, you know, they normally interact with their friends, and now it's very, very limited what they can do. But I like what she said as well about the, what about me? Yes, I think since the lockdown, I've probably missed about three kitchen parties. So that's uh -huh. a wonderful <laughs> social activity that we did to get together, eat, you know, food together and dance together. And all of that at the minute is not happening. So it's affecting mm. everyone, you know, from the young and not so young, the older, and even the much older. Like in the, uh, particularly in the Western countries, you find that the older people live independently on their own. And I think they're also really significantly affected by loneliness and the limited, you know, ability to go out shopping and their self-isolate because of other health conditions. So, yes, it's affected everyone, one way or the other. Yeah, I'm telling you, because I, I have another friend who, if I mention their name, you'll probably know them, but I'll, I'll try not to do that. There was a, Like you said, uh, you've missed, like, what, three kitchen parties and all these events are not taking place. So this friend, the day, the weekend, they were supposed to have a conference. They posted on social media and they said this was supposed to be an opening night and they put some some stuff there and uh, what so in a situation like that what is that person or individual when they sort of try to relieve 
an event they were supposed to be attending or participating. It could be a graduation, like you have said, it could be a kitchen party. I mean, so what is a person dealing with when they release something they were supposed to be doing, but they, it's not happening? Yeah, but it's really, really hard times. I've, I've spoken to a, a number of brides who mm-hmm. get married and or have the kitchen party and, and how it affected them. Um, you have to build resilience and people around them talking to them and just making sure that they're okay. But it's really difficult situation. Some of them have had to face the consequence of potentially losing money. You know, they are booked, everything they are bought. Uh, particularly if they have already bought food as well and having to cancel last minute their yeah, costs that go with that. Um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, just what's going to happen, what's the future going to be like? Will I be able to rearrange my events? Will I be able to go ahead with this event? So things have been really, really difficult uh, for people and to deal with that. Um, so far, fortunately, the ones that we've been interacting with are, are doing well. Most of them think just taking one day at a time and getting the support that they need, you know, talking as much as possible to other people. But it's been really, really stressful for people. Mm, it's true. Uh, those who have called in, please, if you have a question, I'll leave your mics open. Uh, let's make this interactive. And uh, the idea is to to sort of uh, let Dr. Mieva know what we're dealing with. And uh, everybody's situation is different because I know we've got different children with different age groups. I know Bella's uh, child goes to daycare. Uh, Roger's son is in college and uh, all those dispar- uh, differences in our in our in our in our so our family uh, structures and setup. Uh, families, Dr. Mieva, found themselves confined for hours unnecessarily longer than normal. <laughs> What's your advice on how to make the best of this time? I think it's been a big shock to, to the system. And uh, I really enjoyed the videos that were going around at the beginning. You know, you see a father actually driving a brick because they run out of things to do. Uh-huh. And, um, there are lots of resources, um, particularly for children, with, uh, parents with children who are still still going. There are lots of online resources that they can look at and how they can support the children uh, to do with the homeschooling. Some schools are already sending information like that to them as well. And one of the things that helps, especially with children, is about um, and young people saying their routines have been messed up. So if as a family, people can structure activities that they can do together, involve their children, and, and even just talking to them, talking to them, explaining what's going on, um, mm. and try at their level, age appropriate conversations with, with the child. I, I had a grandmother uh, chatting earlier saying, You know, my grandchildren can't understand why is grandmom not coming to see us? Why is she working mm-hmm. all the time? It seems like that, you know, it's having to explain those things to, to the young children. And also, I know in certain contexts, it's really difficult to be confined in, in the home and you run out of games or school. And, and particularly, like for me, I think if when I was a child and this happened, I think I would really, really struggled. And sometimes, as parents, we're not always uh, patient. So when we play, we can only play so much, but also remember to praise. You know, praising the child often because uh, this may be new for, for, for some people. Uh, mm. and remembering to, to 
know, to show kindness and but being also realistic. You know, sometimes, especially young people say, African parents want us to achieve all the time and study all the time. We, we can't expect that the children will be studying all the time. We have to schedule some time where they can relax and um, maybe go walking, doing activities together like that and uh, learning together, maybe learning a, a new activity together, teaching them something which they never knew. And also, us ourselves, learning from the young people. I'm learning dancers from my nieces who are uh, in Zambia, just to mm. keep going and maintain that connection as well. Because when we learn something new, we feel that sense of you know, accomplishment and, and pride, and, and that helps you know, keep us going and maintain our, our well-being. And uh, I know that in some areas as well, we can help our neighbors, maybe elderly neighbors, do some shopping for them. Involve children in that so that they see that this is what we can do. They also feel that sense of giving, um, you know, like the Bible say, your own soul is nourished when you're kind. They can feel that mm-hmm. they're doing something, regardless of the situation that, that we're all in at the minute. Our... Our, our social status or economic standing or financial status has got a lot of uh, uh, role. It, it's playing a big role in in how we are dealing with this. Uh, I'm saying this because I have I have in mind that young child in Mutendere, Dr. Mieva in Osaka, in Kawama, somewhere on the Copper Belt, or even as far deep as far deep as somewhere in Winnipeg, where the school doesn't have online facilities, basically what has happened to kids who go to government schools. Uh, I was talking to a Kenyan friend. I said, hey, tell me, what's the situation in Kenya concerning kids that go to government schools? Because I know the kids that go to international school, Lusaka, Rhodes Park, Chengero, and all those schools, they are catered for. They've got homework coming online and all that kind of stuff. So what, what, what's going on with that kid in the low-income bracket? There's nothing the parents can do about it. I, I don't know. Uh, how can we help a child like that? I think also starting from the parents, how can we help the parents uh, like that? I know mm. um, in some centers, parents are not even going to work, maybe. Uh, yes spending the time all the time with their children. Um, maybe just like we would do in any social economic situation, is just spending the time with their children. And in, when we were in the, you know, sort of like visit the village, they didn't have the internet or the other stuff which, you know, the Western world or the, the developed cities had. But they still mm-hmm. have community. They still would tell stories and maybe cook together, maybe go for walking together. But I, I see that it's a challenge, much more challenging in certain settings. But it's about making the most of what is available to us. Um, mm. So you can, you can only do what you can, but if you cannot do it, then we, 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 we can't. It's just the message is making the most of what we have and what is available to us. Yeah, making, you talked about working with them. Last, yesterday I did something uh, interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, our college, our college daughter, she always exercises, walks around the neighborhood. So I decided to 
her mom and I decided to do that with her. And uh, I could see the, I could see some beaming in her face or something like that. What was that about? Although I almost passed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we, we forget that time really, really flies. Time flies. Uh-huh. You haven't really had a conversation with the person that you live with, whether it's your spouse or, or your child. So this um, lockdown or social isolation has given us the opportunity to really spend time. So that if mm-hmm. you never have anything to talk about, you find things to talk about. And it's a good thing yeah. to do something together because then you can focus on something else. But before you know it, you've already talked a lot. And children love that. They, they love spending time with adults. Um, yes. And yes, we have to go and work, we've got bills to pay, uh, and so on. But this has allowed us to, to, to do that and reflect, again, the, the most of the opportunity and find ways of doing it. Maybe scheduling in a week, what are we going to do on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and so on. Because, it's, like the, the saying goes, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Before we know it, it could be mm-hmm. six weeks or eight weeks of the lockdown and we, the time would have gone. And the relationships, better relationships would have been developed um, and so on. The other thing I wanted to mention also about children, one of their concerns are, is that maybe, you know, when you were staying at home, are they going to have no job, you know, they're feeling insecure. But also, mm. another thing which I've heard from children whose parents are working in the hospital, is my mom or my dad going to get the virus? Are they going to die? So all those are other things that are causing, you know, anxiety and, and fear. But talking to the children at those levels as well, how are you doing? How do you think about this? How are you feeling? And if the child responds fine, not taking fine for an answer, often fine there's no resemblance to what's really going on in the head or the heart. So opening up that conversation, when you say you're fine, what does that mean? In what way are you fine? What's going well for you? And having those conversations, opening them up. And this is not just for the children, but also our, our spouses, our friends, when we interact, we really interact. We really open those conversations and find out how people really, really are. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Mioma, this is uh, Roger here in Canada. Uh, hope you are well. You are keeping Hello, safe there. Hello. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, I've got two questions. Uh, the, the first one are uh, reports we are hearing uh, on television about um, uh, domestic violence uh, going mm-hmm. up because uh, of this uh, quarantine. Uh, my first question is, because I think Nathan and I would say we we enjoy company of our, our people. If we, are, we could stay home, some of us would stay home. What is causing these people to fight? And is this, uh, my imagination is that we are so used to staying away from each other, and now here comes a stranger, you have to spend so many hours. Is that a reason? My my second question, uh, Dr. Mieva, uh, is uh, uh, on quarantine, but away from quarantine, just a little bit. Then I think of the prisoners. Uh, what, what psychological uh, effect do we put? To? If people are getting so crazy about the quarantine, 
then what is the psychological effect do we put it? Uh, anyway, maybe they deserve to be imprisoned. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Dr. <laughs> I'm done. I think, yes, I do agree with the rate of domestic violence, and the rates have definitely gone up uh, significantly. And the same with uh, uh, harm to children that has gone up. I think it's good to we talk about the socializing and us being social beings and, and so on, that it's really beneficial for us for survival and, and so on. But I think there are sort of like limits or there should be some form of boundaries as well. So in this scenario, there hasn't been any planning or, you know, gradual, um, mm. you know, setup where we eventually or gradually got into this sort of uh, kind of living. And suddenly people are spending time in the, under the same roof all the time, almost 24 7 for some. You know, some who are able to still go out for work and come back, maybe it's not too bad, but some of them is 24 7 and with children. And undoubtedly, they, that's also a recipe for you know, people getting on each other's nerves, you spilled this, you left that there, you didn't put the toilet down, and so on. And there is no. Uh, there's limited room for people to actually go out and get some kind of a break or respite that we're used to. You know, go and interact with somebody else and laugh about something. That we, I think to a certain extent, some, some of us have lost our tolerance, and that could be partly that's contributing to that. But even, I would imagine in the majority of cases, there might have been underlying problems even before. So, so um, this has just magnified the situation which was already... Uh, in existence. Mm. Okay. No, thank you. Uh, uh, thank, thank, thank you for that. Yeah. Was, was, the, was the second question about the prisoners? I wasn't sure what, what oh. you want the question. <laughs> don't mind, don't <laughs> mind me, uh, Doctor Mieva. Don't mind me. I was just thinking the psychological uh, punishment. <laughs> Uh, we we put in uh, people uh, say you've done wrong to society. Uh, mm -hmm. Would there be another way uh, of uh, teaching our people uh, some lessons uh, of, of life, not not to injure other people, than society doing what people are experiencing right now, which is sending them to to be crazy. Because you can go mad. Do you agree with me, Dr. Mia? <laughs> you can go mad. I think the, the scenario has created difficulty um, about how we, we live our lives. But at the mm -hmm. same time, it's created opportunities. So I think we need to, to stop and look at where we are at and maybe focusing on what things we have control over. Um, we, we can't live life the way that we lived it in the current yes. season, we have to change, and we all have to adapt. All of us have to adapt mm. uh, and change the way that we do things. Um, and that's, that's what I can say. And when we all do that and stop to think, and what can we do different, and together as a family, as a household, we, we work on that. And maybe spending time, you know, talking about what, what we like about each other, what we're grateful about each other, what we see as somebody good in them. Maybe spending more time interacting like that 
will then focus on that rather than focusing on the bad that you do or the bad that you mm-hmm. you don't do this or you don't do that. But it's the same time intentionally to look into each other and acknowledge one another, praise each other, show kindness, and let's be really, really easy to forgive. I think it's going to help a lot in, in tempers and, yeah. and the domestic violence. Yeah. <laughs> well, I add on to that point, Dr. Amir, um, a New York governor, um, Andrew Como, was was expressing uh, now this virus thing, the quarantine has taught him how a lesson, how much he has uh, missed out just uh, being on his children. Because now mm-hmm. he's forced to sit with them in the house. He's forced to talk to them. Now he, he, he has even gotten to understand the value uh, of... Uh, now the children are, go, are grown up. 22, 23, uh, and those are people who not have um, time to talk to parents. But now, because people are being forced, uh, he has found value. He has found value uh, in sitting with uh, the child. Uh, and I was talking to my 21-year-old son here, say, you know, this is not just time for you to have your earplugs in your listening to music. Let's spend the time. This is teaching yeah. something. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's good. That's very good. And and just maybe another word um, on the domestic violence. One of the things that fuels domestic violence and uh, just aggression in general is is alcohol, you know, and and, and other substances. So there mm-hmm. has been evidence that there's been an increase in alcohol consumption oh, yes. during this oh, time. Yes. With the oh, yes. bars and restaurants closed, people are drinking at home, probably drinking more than they would drink if they are out. They don't have to drive. So all those things are contributing to that. And uh, people need to be mindful that um, at the end of this lockdown, there will be consequences of drinking too much. Some people might develop alcohol problems and, and obviously need to be seeking help. And those are some of the unhelpful coping strategies that people can employ to, to cope with the, the stress and anxiety of, of the lockdown. So the things that we've been talking about, you know, spending time with others, spending time with the children, that, that, that is really helpful. It's very, very helpful. And regarding children as well, the, the National Society of uh, Prevention of Cruelty to Children in, in the UK, I imagine there are similar uh, organizations elsewhere, have um, described this period as a, a perfect storm because of increased loneliness and having a lot of spare time for, for young people. And uh, it's very easy, I think, as a parent to get them off on a gadget where they're you know, playing on their own, maybe all sorts of apps and games that they're using. Some of them are played by, you know, adults who are engaging these young people and they're using this opportunity to, to you know, groom young people. So it's extremely important that we know what apps that they're playing on, what they're doing, and reducing that loneliness and, and boredom by engaging our young people. Uh, it's not uncommon for the adults, you know, online adults, and unknowingly chatting with these, you know, the, the children will be chatting unknowingly with these adults, and then before they know it, they're sending, you know, images of, of the sexual nature to these uh, adults. Just be mindful that that could also be happening if somebody mm-hmm. you know, back in the bedroom on their own and not engaging. So it's up to us as adults to really engage our children and talk to them, you know, build resilience, will they be able to tell us if that kind of thing is happening and just help them like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Dr. Miava, you have said so much. I even forgotten, not forgotten, but I keep, I'm straight away from the question I wanted to ask. All right. Those are good questions that um, Dr. Miava laid so many talking points on. Um, my, this is Matilda for those who are listening and, and also to Dr. Miava just introduce myself. My contribution is more a comment question like I think it's leaning more towards the comment and I'm thinking about uh, mental health at the beginning of this COVID when we were not sure where we were going to be I think it started from there and layers and layers have been added on first of all there was okay we, we hear about this COVID in, in China we are feeling empathy or sorry or even sympathy from a distance because it wasn't affecting us. And then we start seeing disturbing images and videos like, oh, okay, okay. Then we hear it in Europe. Uh, a bit of anxiety start, started to creep in, but not so much. But and then when it started hitting closer to home, to where we were, and there are lockdowns in other countries, and eventually in the U.S., and then also affecting the rest of the world, I think there was anxiety of the future, you know? Are we going to make it? Are we going to live? Are we going to survive? What are we going to do? You've touched a bit of on the economic impact. So like making a living, you know, am I still be able, I'm going, am I going to be able to survive? So we saw there was that panic, um, panic shopping where people were buying out everything and anything, especially tissue. You know, and we didn't even know what the virus was doing if we needed tissue, but people were getting it in drones. So that was, I could see a lot of anxiety beginning to build in. You're not sure of how you can get it. The, um, you know, I mean, now from, from then and where we are, we, we have guidelines. But I see it even in myself when I'm watching TV and somebody on the TV calls. Mm-hmm. You know, like, ah, this guy, the COVID, you know. Or when there's an interview, even though they might, it appears to be six feet apart and they're not wearing a mask, those things do mm-hmm. come up it's in the front of my mind and say, aren't they not supposed to be wearing a mask? Why are they not wearing a mask? You know, so I think it has changed. And I, I, I look at it, um, I was talking to a friend, and I'll make this, I'll, I'll wrap up very quickly. There's a friend, I won't mention where she is, but she gets serious panic attacks, like extremely um, something very, very serious that it, it, there could be a medical condition. However, with this going on, it has made it worse, you know. The future, I think that's where a lot of people are panicking. And then, as you had mentioned from the comments that Roger, Roger's question, even early uh-huh. on, we are finding out that we are strangers in our homes. We don't know who our wife, husband are. We don't know our children. Our children know, don't know us. So this has been a learning curve to know who we are. Can we interact? Can we get along and so on? So all that is adding on. And like you said, you're not able to go out to socialize. We've missed out birthdays, kitchen parties, etc. That is also adding on. So... That was my contribution, but I think my question is, do you see this as um, with each passing day and week that there are layers being piled on on the anxiety aspect, 
Or could you, would you think that where we are now, maybe things have kind of reduced? Yeah. I think, uh, thanks for that, Matilda, and, and the contributions that you, you've made. And, and that, that, that is real. These kind of problems are real for people. The person who's having the panic attack, it is real for them. And sometimes we can be very easy to say, oh, just get your act together, or there's just a sign of weakness. But these are real problems for real people. And uh, yes, at the beginning, the anxieties were different. There was, there was a lot of fear about what was going to happen. Are we all going to die? Are we all going to get infected? But, and, and similarly as well for me and in my work, the stuff that we were doing three or four weeks ago to safeguard uh, people that we see and the staff was different compared to the way things are now. There were very high levels of stress now. But the more that we've learned about the virus and what's going on, and um, the, the, the easier things have been. It's almost like waves, you know, from China than Europe. My biggest concern now is Africa. It, it has, it, there are very few numbers there, and just praying that it doesn't get as bad as it's been in, in Europe. Yeah, so there have been layers of it, and where we are now is definitely better than when the whole thing started in our country or in, in Europe, yeah. Okay. I'm going to put I'm going to put some people on the spot here. This show is supposed to be interactive, not just uh, an interview. Blair, good morning. Good morning, good Reverend. Good. And uh my well with University Doctor Muyava, thank you for making time for us today. And I, I, the question I want to pose is, uh, and this has been uh, an issue even prior to this, how can we destigmatize uh, seeking mental health services? You know, there's always this uh, thing about uh, people being uh, afraid of being labeled when they seek um, psychosocial counseling. How can we make it okay for Zambians to reach out? Because there are Zambians who have insurance, even in the U.S., and they're, they're hesitant to seek counseling. So how can we destigmatize seeking uh, counseling? Dr. Nyeva, before you respond to that, Blair, Doctor, before Dr. Nyeva responds to that, Blair, you, I know you've got kids. How are you coping with this, this situation we're in? Rough. It's rough on the little ones, and um, fortunately enough, you know, the, the school district here has uh, e-learning. So okay. every day they've been logging in and doing their assignments, and uh, it, it's been on uh, mom and dad to make sure that uh, they're doing their assignments. And, uh, yeah, it's tough on the kids. You know, this morning CNN has um, a show with uh, Sesame Street. And you can mm -hmm. see the questions kids are asking, you know. Our parents, like my wife, goes to work every day. So they're concerned, you know, when she comes home, you know, do we hug her? Do we, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> No, no, we can't hug her. <laughs> okay. Don't come here, but you have to respond to Blair's question. Okay. So what I was going to do, thank you very much for the question. That's, that's helpful and to, to bring up, especially at such a time as this. Uh, I wanted to just start by saying, you know, we all have mental health. 
and you can have poor mental health or good mental health. And basically mental health just relates to the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we behave and the way we interact with others. And that can be affected at different levels depending on the circumstances that we're going through. And um, there are different things that can affect um, our, our mental health. And for some time it's a temporal uh, problem, but other times it's a much more long-term problem. And according to national, you know, world statistics, one in four people will experience some kind mm. of mental health problem each year. So this is regardless of where uh, the individual is, whether in the Western world or in the, the other part of the world. And, and therefore, if, even if we identify it or we don't, that is the, the truth. And sadly, in some societies, we don't recognize it as a problem, or if we do, we, there's so much stigma that individuals don't seek help, and, and that leads to more complications and, and problems. Um, so what would I say in terms of, you know, destigmatizing? I think it's, it's, it's important to be talking about it. It's important to talk about mental health issues that they can affect anybody. In my line of work, I've seen people from all walks of life, you know, affected by mental health problems. So it doesn't choose who is going to be affected. And just like physical health, we have physical health problems, we can have mental health problems. When we talk about it and um, acknowledge even people who have had a lived experience from it, talk about it getting better or not, or the challenges that they've had, I think it's extremely mm. important on advocating on, on their behalf. I've noticed over here in the, in the UK that there's been more talk, particularly of celebrities, including royalty, about how they've been affected by mental health problems. And as a result of that, more people are discussing it and more people are getting help. Um, and the more we do that, and do that in, in Zambia as well, I know that the psychiatrists on the ground in Zambia are working extremely hard always getting involved in radio and television programs to raise awareness so that we can reduce stigma. So there's a lot of activities going on, and when we have problems, we seek help. Even in the churches, I think that's another area where we feel if we have a mental health problem or we disclose uh, such a problem, mm -hmm. we can be viewed as being, you know, demon-possessed or, you know, not praying <laughs> enough or living in sin and so on. Therefore, we don't seek help. So appealing to, you know, spiritual leaders as well that when there's a problem like that, you know, recognizing it as such, there is, you know, help from the spiritual side of things, but also from the health side of things. And talking about things openly will help people and save lives. Okay. The, our guest is Dr. Catherine Muyevash, she's a psychiatric consultant psychiatrist. We're talking with, our subject is coping with COVID, the lockdown, whatever situation we found ourselves in. I said I was going to put some people on the spot here. Nyambe, you have two girls. How are you dealing with this? Yeah, we, we, we're doing good, uh, uh, keeping up well with it. Uh, uh, just the other day, I, I know my one of my youngest daughter, she, she was uh, breaking down. She was uh, missing her friend at school, so... You know, mm. it kind of it kind of makes you think about uh, uh, how critical really relationships uh, uh, are outside uh, family, uh, within family, and outside family are for us. So you know, she was missing her friends, and uh, I find myself uh, I, I always dreamt about working from home, and now you know I miss interactions with my coworkers. But we're getting time to 
we're spending more time together, uh, you know, and, and, and doing more fun stuff together. So. Okay. Matilda, how is Sunny doing? Oh, good morning. <laughs> I mean, um, he's hanging in there, but I think he misses the physical contact because he loves hugs. Oh, yeah, but you told me about hugged. that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't hugged in over a month. So his question every day is like, is it okay to hug today? But no. Because mm. currently I'm in isolation, so we barely see each other. But okay. he's the situation. Hagi son, the son loves to hug. Mommy is in isolation. They haven't seen each other for a month. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, I'm really sorry that that's your current circumstances. Um, and I think one of the things which I have seen, not just uh, in my immediate circle of friends, but even um, online, I've seen how mm-hmm. people have become so creative about contacts and, you know, avoiding loneliness. Um, it's great that we have, um, you know, the technology. So there's mm-hmm. nothing that um, we, we don't have to stop doing a lot of things, fortunately. So on Sunday, churches, streaming, live streaming still going on, FaceTiming as families, whether on Skype or house party or, or, or Zoom. Uh, so those interactions can still happen. They're not quite the same, but it's uh, much, much better to still be able to, to do that. And last week I attended a baby shower on Zoom. That's interesting. So we're still interacting and, and keep coming up with creative ways of um, you know avoiding that loneliness so that the social isolation and distancing has a limited wow. uh, impact on us. There is a lot of stuff out there online, but equally we should just be mindful that uh, we don't focus on the on the, just the bad news. Mm. Yeah, that that's that's a that's a very tough situation. Uh, Titus, you had a question. Uh, yes. Uh, good morning, everybody, and good morning, doctors that are online. Hello. Hello. I had a question. I had a question in terms of I'm looking at Zambia. I would still go back to Zambia. In this situation of COVID-19, media houses are supposed to help us with either dissemination of education, people are doing things online. I have a question on the Prime TV that Zambia has pushed the license off and if anybody else has that. In such a time like this when the media is supposed to be used for all this situation, if you listen to ZNBC, I'm not in Zambia, but... I don't know how much they are covering. You can look at Blog Radio, what it's doing. If somebody is just tuning into Zambia Blog Talk Radio now, they can interact with the doctor and whatever, whatever is going on with uh, my sister in Texas, in Houston. You, learn, you get to learn more. And if you shut down a media outlet today, what are you doing in terms of adhering to the coronavirus things school-wise or so forth? 
I think Prime TV can even be disseminating something educative this time. Can that thing be looked at immediately and Minister of Education pass something that can be even contrary to this ban, if it's unnecessarily political or whatever the case is? I think media houses should be encouraged to disseminate something to help in this situation of coronavirus as of today, not closing them up. What do you give an option? What does NBC do? Does it do twice, including what Prime TV could do since it's closed, or they're just taking that, they've closed that thing and that's it? And the general public, us, as we format this, like the ZBTR, we are talking now. I can only ask to say, probably we can suggest to bring the Minister of Education to talk about these kind of things, information and broadcasting. All those people should be able to be asked, what are you doing in this media age if you're closing up media fans? Mm. Or what is ZNBC that you only have? What have it done okay. to push up mm. so that you can take care of this thing? That's my view that I was thinking about listening. Thank you. That's a question for you, Nathan. I can agree with the importance of disseminating helpful information and the role of the media in doing that. Yeah. I haven't. I can't comment about what's close and what's not because I I don't re- regularly listen to the ZNBC or watch the, the the television. But I've been following updates on on Facebook Live. So what's going on ar- around that? Yeah, I think the issue was on the role of the media, that, uh, and basically uh, that is the point. Uh, Dr. Miro, what is the role of spiritual leadership or clergy in the current situation? I think like, like with all uh, leadership, I think, you know, taking the stand and um, doing what um, is necessary, we'll read from the Bible whenever there was a situation uh, that needed leadership, the, the leaders did step up. And I have seen, starting mm. uh, from my own church, um, our, our, our leaders have really, really stepped up and engaging with what's going on and uh, doing daily, um, you know, journals and um, devotionals online, which all the members can access, including people who are who are not members, so that we are all uh, filled with hope and so that we're not fearful of the current season, but we can build up and sustain us so that we can also help others. Um, uh-huh. Straight away, as soon as the lockdown was announced, you know, straight away the live streaming started, and I've seen that a lot of other uh, leaders have done that so that the, you know, the connection continues, which, which has been um, really, really good. And I think taking um, that message, that positive message across, you know, helping people, supporting people and continuing. I, I was just sent um, a little booklet today from Pastor Conrad Bewe that he's done. When, while he was uh-huh. in lockdown, he was writing these devotionals on his blog and, and sharing them. And now he's done it into a booklet, which I received today. And, and I know he said, do this once a day, do a devotional day, but the whole morning I just read all of it. And it's really, really encouraging. So looking at that sort of um, spiritual leadership and encouraging people, building people up, is really, really good to help with the resilience and sustenance, not just for the individual, but the individual will help others as well. 
Yeah, that's very true. Before I let you talk about uh, the the, pro, the fundraising drive or project that you have to help with COVID-19, I think in Zambia, let's say hello to, uh, we have a caller from the UK here. Hello. Hello. Um, it's probably myself. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Hello. Yes. Oh, Aro, yeah. Hi, Dr. Kass, this is um, Sam Nambi in Coventry. Hi. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, yeah, hello. Uh, sorry. Uh, hello, yeah, I, I, was, recent, I was listening um, through the, um, the online link, but then I realized that if you go directly, there's a, a very big time lag between the online broadcast <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, so I got a bit confused. When you when you ring directly, you you seem to be you know catching up with uh, you know where the, where things are the best. So my my uh, my comment really uh, is something that you've already talked about, and and, and that's on um, how we could help kids in the rural areas um, with uh, uh, education in this time and things like that. Uh, uh -huh. Obviously, myself being in uh, being in education. And um, yeah, in 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 higher education here in the UK, we we you know obviously same as the guys in, in America in, in this Western world, we've gone online, and oh. um, it's uh, it's it's really a pain at the moment that you know this we we could be talking about these kind of things, um, you know, and, and there's literally very little that can be done in the interim to help the kids in the rural areas, but there are yeah. lessons we can learn from this going forward because right now, as I'm saying, I can't say too much on this. I have mm. been kind of uh, consulted by some authorities in uh, the Republic of Namibia uh, how to help kids in the rural areas with e-learning. Now, what I can say is there are software, there are apps at the moment that can be used without Wi-Fi, but they will need a bit of investment. So, so what I think our that, government could do could, um, Sam, did you say your name was Sam? Yeah, some, some Gambi, yes. Listen, interesting that you bring that point at this, at the next weekend, I'm doing a discussion on that same topic, how to help uh, the kids in Europe. You know what has caught my okay. attention about what you, what you have said about yes. where, where people can do things without needing Wi-Fi. I like that. That's powerful. Yes. Yes, exactly. Ne yes. Next yes. weekend, okay, we'll I'll be dealing with... Yeah. So can you be part of my panel next week? Uh, yes, please. I, I can. I can. No problem at all. Please. I appreciate that. And I didn't want to... I just want... I didn't want us to lose that thought about you bringing in e-learning because it's very important. I think the need is greatest in rural Zambia. What we shall exactly. do is... Uh, yeah, I shall get in touch with you, and we can build on that. I'll, 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 I can see your number on the switchboard here. I'll get in touch with you okay. after the show. Okay, uh -huh. thanks very much. Otherwise, hey, otherwise, hey. yeah, Dr. Kais, uh, your comments are, are very, very much varied. Um, the advice you're giving on, uh, uh, you know, how kids can handle these things, um, you know, psychologically. We have got two boys, as you know, as well. It's not been easy at all, you know. Just, oh you know, yeah, them yeah, but um, um, there's everything that we we're trying to do together, um, you know, 
and obviously, you know, engage, engage them with learning. You know, they shouldn't drop mm-hmm. their pens if you know that the exams are not happening. Uh, we we making them, uh, you know, just keep up with that. And then uh, we're having to adjust ourselves, you know, watch movies and stay up a bit late <laughs> and just do things together as a family. And, uh, and, 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 and also, you know, trying to engage with the outside world on social media, speak to cousins back in Zambia. And they're doing things they've not done before. So, so yeah. in a sense, yeah. that is helping. But I, 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 ag- I agree with the idea of keeping an eye on them because if we don't do this as a family, they will go into other things that they'll be doing secretly that, uh, you know, that Dr. Katz already talked about, and that's what we want to do. Excellent. Thank you, Sam. We look forward to, to you joining us okay. next weekend. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. What Thank we you. shall do is, uh, uh, Dr. Mieva, you have a fundraising drive um, uh, towards COVID-19. Could you tell our listeners about this and how they can participate? Um, so basically, I'm, I'm part of an organization called the Zambia Overseas Christian Fellowship. We are a mm-hmm. non-denominational international Christian organization that, uh, you know, for, for Zambians and Zambians, their friends in the UK and also beyond, so anyone can join the organization. And our goal is to just to help, um, you know, facilitate fundraising activities, one of them being that so that we can support charitable work here in the UK, but also in, in Zambia. And on this occasion, okay. we just deemed it necessary to do some fundraising for, for Zambia to help the health workers there with um, getting the appropriate uh, protection while they test and look after people who are affected by COVID-19. Uh, so we liaise with uh, the public health specialist in Lusaka office, uh, and we're raising money that we help buy the you know the protection equipment in Lusaka itself and distribute it to the health workers. So we have a GoFundMe page that we are using to uh, raise the funds and we we'll transmit it directly to, to Lusaka where they will buy the equipment. Okay. That's excellent. What's the name of the organization again for those who may want to do something? It's called Zambia Overseas Christian Fellowship or ZOC. Okay, Zambian Overseas Christian. Okay, Zambian Overseas Christian Fellowship. Yeah. So everybody, you can go to that website if you hope to contribute, because I know there is a great need in that area for the healthcare professionals' uh, protection in Zambia. Our time is up, Dr. Mieva. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful opportunity, and thank you very, uh, very much for all the contributors and those who brought questions. Thank you. Excellent. So next week we'll be talking about e-learning and how we can sort of support some projects in Zambia about that. We are grateful to uh, Sam Ngambi who join us. We'll be talking to somebody from Zambia on what they are doing. Let's go back, everybody, for open forum. <laughs> 